The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. To a 2024 edition of the Bucknuts Happy Hour, the first 2024 edition of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff. Hopefully, that all treated you well. Uh, we are here. I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts 24/7 Sports. We're going to talk some Buckeyes today. My goal of this show is to try and bring some perspective to things uh, because there is a lot going on. There's a lot being said uh, about the Buckeyes, both around the program, nationally, things like that. Um, So while I think criticism is fair, I also think we can have some some rational perspective. And I don't know if if everywhere does that, to be honest. And I think that's important sometimes. Uh, We like to have fun on the show. We we like to give honest opinions. Uh, I've got a beer here, and I think we're going to keep up with the happy hour theme of that. It is a uh, Land Grant Winter Garden Juicy IPA that someone left in my refrigerator after a New Year's party we had at our place. But um, I do. I want to I want to try and get some perspective, get some good conversation. I'm not going to try and pretend to know things that I don't. I will be honest with you when I don't know something and, and give you as much information as I can. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. If you have questions about the Buckeyes, throw them in the chat. We will try and answer those throughout the show. Uh, but let's get into it. And to do that, we're going to bring in one of our favorite happy hour guests, Timmy Hall from the Fan and the Buckeye Show. Timmy, I saw you briefly last night at the basketball game, but good to see you again. It's great to see you, Pat. Hope everybody out there watching and listening is having a nice new year so far. Buckeye basketball hit their 12th win last night. They didn't hit their 12th win until almost March last year. So the bounce back is real. It's just a matter of 
how real and how much are they going to bounce back? So that's that. And yeah, the football program seem, seems like it's in total chaos for an 11 win season. That's the way it goes around here. I'm glad you got your beer, Pat. Must be nice yep. to just be sipping on a brew at three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. I'll have yeah. my coffee right here while I'm at work. <laughs> it is. Uh, fortunately, I need to drink this one slowly. I uh, need to get back into my exercise routine that kind of goes out the window during football season. So I need to go for a cold run after this. But Give one me beer. a break. Look at you. Look at you. Oh, you, Put you, some you, pounds on, Pat. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. wasting away. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into the Buckeyes, Tim, and and specifically the football Buckeyes. There is a lot uh, a lot to talk about with this team. I want to get first, just in case people haven't heard them. What were your reactions to the Cotton Bowl? Because for me, and I've said this a couple different places now, nothing really changed for me coming out of the Cotton Bowl. Because I knew going in, A, this was a game that that didn't matter in terms of college football playoff and things like that. So I wasn't surprised when the Buckeyes did some things like change up their offensive line. Uh, but I, my thoughts on the offensive line, my thoughts on the quarterback situation haven't changed all that much just because of what I saw and what was essentially a glorified scrimmage between two teams. But what did what did you take away from that? We'll start there. I understand what you're saying and how you didn't want to have – you know, your thoughts change too much after it was done. I think it's hard to not have it change at all because I don't think that I don't think Ohio State was looking at it the same way a lot of us fans were, you know, and I when you're when you're down to Lincoln Keen holes, I I am on that side of the fence where it feels like there's only so much you can do offensively. But the more you dive in, the more you think about it. You'd almost be more okay if they just said, what the F, you know, just we're going to call this and that and Lincoln Keenholes, whatever bull prep he was able to get in. We heard some things about maybe they didn't go as hard in practice and utilize all that practice time in that month of December leading up to, to the bowl game, but whatever, like it doesn't matter. Like if he's going to be terrible and if he's going to throw a bunch of picks, then so be it. But gunslinger mentality the first possession he gets in you're backed up inside your own 10 you hand the ball off three times and you punt you don't even try to throw it on third down or anything so you know that's things like that that kind of go back to other big games that Ryan Day has coached in and he's starting to get a reputation now for not being the same coach in the really big games that he is in all the other football games on Ohio State's schedule the other thing too is just our game between, you know, our Cotton Bowl game against Missouri was one of a few in this bowl season that just prove how messed up the system has gotten. And I was so, I've been ready. I'm, I was ready this entire season. I'm even more ready for 2024, you know, going into, you know, the January 25 games. It's hard to believe we're there now, but the 12-team playoff is going to give is going to give this end of the season a lot more fun. I, I thought games at the end of the season were always supposed to matter a whole lot more than the games at the beginning of the season. That's what you play for. You play for postseason. You play to try to win championships. And the way college football has gotten 
And you can go back 20 years ago to when they first chose to go to the BCS to where they determined that it was just one team against another team. And then over time, all those other ones just started to become less and less meaningful and matter less when there was one championship game and no one else was playing for it. And this game was just a microcosm. I mean, you had Georgia and Florida State, but to have your starting quarterback just leave, you know, it tells you something about the conversations that were had about the future, but that's just weird. You're going into postseason play and your starting quarterback just says bye. And Devin Brown's throwing out, you know, his his image of, you know, the you know, the ocean and heading across the sea into battle. You were expecting so much more. I know he got hurt, but even before the injury, you're expecting so much more. It just was a it was a disaster. Just the the game, the build up, how it uh, how it came together. Though everything about it was a complete disaster and joke. If we're being honest, it was a joke of a game. I mean, you you're the third string quarterback. You didn't play well. Couldn't gain any yards on offense, and you lost to Missouri. You lost to a middle of the road SEC team on a national stage. So I don't really like anything about it, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. Agreed. Uh, you know, I was at the Cotton Bowl covering the game. I don't know if I've ever covered a worse football game. And look, the defense for Ohio State was really good and give Missouri credit for taking advantage of what they were able to do um, against a makeshift offensive line and a third string freshman quarterback. Uh, but that was not an exciting game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, guys in the press box alongside me, we were discussing, you know, when, when it was okay to publish your stories because it was so clear that this game was going a certain way. Um, you know, no fun whatsoever. But I do think that, you know, you get down to a third string quarterback, a freshman behind an offensive line that, that didn't make a ton of sense. And we'll get into that later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I think that's kind of the results. I mean, I know I've seen comparisons to, Oh, USC had a guy out there and he threw six touchdowns. Well, situation was a little different. A lot of those guys weren't playing in new positions or things like that. Um, you know, I, I think it was a different scenario. Let's take a look forward in your mind, Tim. Um, because that's where, you know, we can't dwell on the past, right? So what do you think is priority number one if you are sitting in Ryan Day's office this offseason? You have to have a quarterback. You have to have a quarterback. And everything that's happened up to this point is on him, you know? Like, that's where we can go back to how much are you going to put on his head for that bowl game when your starter left because I'm sure of conversations that were had on both sides about what the future would be. So it's understandable with the way the system is messed up, but with the way the system is Kyle had to start the process of looking where he was going to go. Cause that's when the windows are, they, they were there and then, so he had to make that choice, which is why it's, it stinks that Ohio state is still looking at guys like Will Howard and whoever they're still doing that right as we speak. So you're a little bit behind the eight ball in that regard, but that's that's Ryan Day's guy. His guy was Kyle McCord. He had a lot of eggs in that basket. It yep. didn't turn out to be the guy. He brought in Devin Brown as well. It doesn't appear that he's going to be the guy. I, I wonder if he's jumping into the portal today, you know, if, if things are real where they are bringing in a one-year quarterback to, to hold things over. And I th that's the other part of it too, Patrick, that just makes you nervous, doesn't it? When you 
have, even though Justin Fields was a transfer, okay, he didn't feel like a true transfer because he hadn't really played yet. So you were still going off of who he was as a recruit. He had spot duty at Georgia. Hadn't, you know, it, it wasn't his full reign there. You were still yeah. going off of who Justin Fields was as a recruit when you brought him in. Will Howard, if that's, I'm just saying if, if that's the guy, he's he's experienced. He's been at Kansas State and you're you're in the game now of going to get this known one-year guy. You know going in that it's a one-year holdover, and it is in such a critical year for Ohio State and Ryan Day with all those other issues that you said. But that's it's really intriguing. So where we go here, and I'm again, we're not going to know how this is until deep into 2024, where you get a good look and a lot of data about you know, how the quarterback does perform. But when you look at, you know, all the options there, Patrick, it's it's pretty wild where we are. I mean, you got pretty greedy, right, when it was Dwayne, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, and then you have this, and then Kyle's gone, and it's completely unknown here in January. There's no incumbent quarterback. It's just go out and find something new. That's it. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, well, and I mean, we've talked about it throughout the season Ohio State fans, for lack of a better term, have been spoiled. It's it's not spoiled. You're Ohio State. You're supposed to do this type of thing by right. those guys you mentioned. Uh, I honestly, I couldn't help sitting there in the press box at AT&T Stadium thinking about, man, I wonder if Ohio State fans are you know, missing Kyle McCord right now because for as much as people criticize him for not being CJ or Justin or Dwayne, he certainly – made do with what they had and, uh, you know, led them to 11 wins through for 3000 plus yards and 24 touchdowns or whatever it was. I'm not saying Kyle, you know, was going to be the guy if he'd stayed, but you know, I think you would have felt a, a lot better in that situation. And maybe Kyle gets hurt and, you know, you're, you're still playing a backup quarterback who knows. Uh, but the situation is probably pretty different in, in a game like that. Let uh, me say though. Yeah. For, for the game, I I, I got to stick to my guns and just where my feelings were once the Michigan game was done and you couldn't play for a conference. Two of the big things were, were gone, right, for being Ohio State. No conference championship game, no chance at a national championship. So what is it really? If Kyle stayed, that's whatever. I still don't think they could have gone to bed at night just happily walking into 2024 with Kyle McCord being the guy. They had to push. They had to have some competition. So – what what would he have done, right? And I think the result was going to be the same. He was going to transfer. Like, that that was the choice he was going to make. If anyone was going to be brought in to push him, I don't know how that works with promises that are made now, with NIL, with, okay, we're going to give you this, and I can guarantee you you're going to be the starting quarterback because coaches hate that. But times are also different right now. I, I couldn't have foreseen Kyle just walking down, happy-go-lucky being the starter week one, 2024. Nobody was going to push him or touch him. No way was that going to happen. No, you definitely, he did not do enough to have the job secured. This wasn't CJ Stroud coming off the 2021 season, knowing he's the guy. It wasn't Justin coming back. It wasn't any, you know, JT Barrett, any of these guys. Right. Uh, if if not, Dwayne wanted to come back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. You're the guy, man. You know, exactly. No doubt. And I, I think probably one of the, for lack of a better term, ballsier things Ryan Day has done is look Kyle McCord and, and his family or whatever the situation was in that meeting and say, I can't promise you you're the guy after 11 wins and all those numbers I just threw out. 
and knowing that he had to open that competition up. And Kyle, as he said on a recent podcast, had to make a business decision as well. Look, if you look back to Kyle's freshman year, he started that game where CJ was hurt, and then Ohio State played him. I think it was against Michigan State was his fifth game, and that burned his red shirt. And Kyle now only has one year to prove he can be an NFL guy. I'm not saying that Ohio State made a mistake by doing that. They were up big. Kyle was the backup. You put the backup in the game, but Jack Miller was on that team. So you you did, you know, maybe there's a little resentment there. I, I don't know. I'm just yeah. speculating. But my point Absolutely. is, Kyle had one year to go out and show what he could do. And he needed to know he would be going to be able to do it. I don't blame him. Um, I agree with you coming out of this. I was very much in the camp beforehand that I thought you know, Devin would, would show enough in this game to have Ohio State fans feeling pretty good going into the offseason. I still thought, I knew that the Buckeyes had kicked the tires on transfer portal quarterbacks, whether they pulled the trigger or not, I wasn't sure. Um, but we've we've been robbed of seeing what Devin Brown can do. He missed the spring game last year with that hand injury. He got hurt when he was just starting to get going this season, and then obviously gets hurt again. Now, as I've seen people saying in the comments here, as the people viewing this live, when Devin's been on the field, it has not been impressive. He missed on this no. first throw to Emeka Buka. Um, he hasn't looked, and I, I wrote this earlier in the season when they were using him as that red zone quarterback, he hasn't looked, you know, like a true dual threat where you you know you're going to be able to, you know, I'm watching these college football playoff games. And I'm like, Devin wasn't doing that. He can move, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I agree. He hasn't, he hasn't shown any kind of elite running ability in the time that we've seen. And for a second there, a couple times this year, you saw Ryan Day try to implement some kind of system with him, you know, where you know we've seen teams in college football do that plenty of times yeah. in the past. Sometimes we've seen that that second quarterback. I always struggle to remember. I, th- I think it was a Texas quarterback that they would bring in, and he was like six foot six and two hundred and seventy pounds. You know, bigger well, than a Josh Allen type. Michigan does it. I mean, they you know Jim yeah. can run, but they use. Or in, or Orgy, or however you say it, they use him. In the game. They yeah. they used that guy in the game, and he busted off a huge run, and that was a big deal. So it hasn't been like that. There no. there was nothing impressive there, and, and you just said it. You, you were hoping that maybe you could see some play from him. And, again, I don't want to make it – I don't want to make his – lacking of you know of plays in that ball game just about who else was gone it's you could try to make that argument but it was also a a big stage for him and fair or unfair that was the chance that was the opportunity and it just didn't look impressive and you got to allow Ohio State to do what they feel they got to do because a lot is riding on next year. And I think the fan base appreciates that too, because you can't just, you can't just stay. You can't just walk into next year with nothing else. You've got to try. And I'm not even, I'm not going to be convinced with whoever they bring in. There's nobody out there right now that they can, there's no one, no one out there right now that they can bring in where I'm just going to say, Oh man, you know, Oh, baby, look out for the Bucks in 2024. National championship game, here we come. Start getting the parade ready. No, there's not one uh, because of the actual QBs that we're talking about and all the other things that Ohio State is facing. You know, all the comments I'm reading about the offensive line, that was, like, you don't got to 
you can bring more to the fight than that meaningless game or not. It's not meaningless. If you're in uniform playing, those are guys on the other side of the ball that are trying to beat you and embarrass you. SEC guys, SEC guys. It's, it's Cade Stover's fire. Right. And it's what you saw there on the sideline in that game. It's like, what the F guys, what, what is happening right here where the ball is snapped and you act like you've never seen these types of pressures all season. It was awful, awful offensive line play. And again, that does not help your quarterbacks at all. That puts them in a bad spot. You got some more receivers that are heading to the portal now. You've got these issues now where your receivers are are so top heavy that some of the really good ones that are depth guys, they're not getting their playing time as early as they think. And just, I mean, look at the wide receiver depth chart, Pat. They can't afford really any injuries. You got Julian Fleming that's gone. You've got... You got to rely heavily on a, on true, and you want to right on on Jeremiah, a true freshman. But you're you got to be hopeful that Emeka Ibuka comes back. You got to be hopeful that Brandon Innes turns into a dude and Carnell Tate. Obviously, again, top guys could be outstanding and really good. But you got to hope that there's no injuries because a lot of these other guys have just chosen to leave. Yeah, well, and I trust Brian Hartline to get that sorted, and and they may have to go to the transfer portal and from wide receiver to get some depth guys, if nothing else something they haven't had to do. Um, Tim, I know you don't have a ton more time here. So I want to get just kind of, as we sit here on January 4th, 2024, we watched the defense play really well in that game. Uh, I thought one of the better games they've played, to be honest, until they just wore out the offense, just reflecting on the entire season. And if you can think of it that way, Mm-hmm. The season as a whole. What is your vibe as you head into this off season about this program? Where where do you think they stand from a you know as as realistic as you can be here with what you know? I I think I share with a lot of Buckeye Nation where this is a it's a weird time. It's a it's a strange vibe. I think that's the best way I can put it. College football is strange right now in general. We talked about that with the way bowl season was, just with how everything is affecting the sport and everybody is learning on the fly and how to how to control it to the best of their ability. And, I mean, how else is it going to feel when you're coming off the golden age of Ohio State kicking Michigan's ass and now you've lost three straight and you've got the game at home coming up here? you got that to worry about. If it, it wasn't – you know, you played pretty – pretty well in that game this year on the road had the ball final possession a chance to win with some of the mistakes that happened now you gotta you know be sure that you win that game at home that's a lot of pressure you don't know what their coach's situation is on their side but keeping it all in house there's there's so much that this team has to has to figure out you're gonna lose both your linebackers on defense there's still a lot of players here and there that are gonna make decisions coming up it's great that Tyleek Williams is coming back, but I think, you know, depth on defensive line and some of the recruiting misses on that side of the ball, that could catch up to Ohio State. Offensive line play has to improve uh, a lot. I just, I, I don't know. The conference is blowing up. you got all these good teams coming in. Is it the Oregon game that's coming up this year? Is that the one that Ohio it. State catches from UCLA, USC, yep. Washington, Oregon? It's look, I mean, they're, they're still the Buckeyes, right? So, I mean, in teams that you're supposed to beat, they've done really, really well, right? Whether that's grinding out games this past year or just flying by, they, they didn't have the 
offensive numbers that we're used to seeing last year, but it was still good enough to go 11 and 0. It was a different type of team and the defensive numbers were improved. I'm just, I, I'm not feeling as confident as I've always felt going into any season. And that's, that I think is a weird place to be, to be, you know, living with Ohio state football with, with where things are. What about you? Yeah, I would say I'm not as far. Uh, I want to see what this off season looks like, or at least here in the next few months. Um, I think, I think when we get out of spring, we'll have a better, obviously a better evaluation of this team. You know, I think the transfer portal makes things interesting, right? Look at some of these teams that are in the playoff and the transfer portal has certainly impacted them. Uh, You mentioned quarterback. I agree with you that there is no quarterback in the portal that's a Justin Fields fix. But uh, and I'm going to talk about Will Howard a bit more when when you get off. But I do think that there, you know, you, you bring in a guy like that, maybe if you find a couple offensive linemen that can come in and, and make an impact. You look at what Michigan did last year, finding guys that maybe not everybody was on in the transfer portal, but guys that fit what they wanted to do and and came in and made an impact. If you do that and these defensive guys that we think might come back, come back. I think you're in a pretty good spot, um, you know. You need quarterback play to to be better than it was this year, probably, if you want to be a national title contender. But you, you, I don't know if you needed a tremendous amount better, assuming, as you said, these wide receivers progress as expected. So um, I, think, I think there is understandable concern among Buckeye Nation, but I also think that there is a plan in place here at the Woody, and once things play out, I think people will feel better. I guess is what I, I hope so. I hope I'm che- I'm checking the comments here, and you got a lot of a lot of folks here that are thinking I'm completely stupid with these. It's back and forth. So back and watch forth. more football. This and that. Hey, I, I I guess if you're supposed to be happy to lose a Cotton Bowl that looked like that, then then celebrate it by all means. Do uh have fun doing that. I'm 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 waiting for a, a Big Ten championship and for these guys to show us that that legit team that I I want nastiness too. I think that's the other thing. The other thing that you can't quite you know tell people to go out and be, but you just know it. Like you talk about offensive line play, defensive line play. If you're not going to be that electrifying team that puts up 45 or 50 points per game, you have to have some kind of nastiness level to you. Like you you cannot push us around. You cannot mess with us or we'll rip your heads off. And I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that for these guys. So, I mean, I look next year's humongous. Next year's humongous for Ryan Day. You know, the coaching staff's going to have a little bit of tinkering. We know that. So it's 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 a big year. It's a big year coming up next year. No doubt. Uh, Tim, I know you're busy over there at the fan. So I appreciate a little over good. five minutes of Timmy Hall on the Buckeye show or on on from the Buckeye show on the happy hour. Uh, thank you. I hope you get to have a beer later on today and I will talk to you soon. All right, my man, everybody. Thanks a lot. Um, hope everybody had a good, happy new year and check out the Buckeye basketball team. You know, if it's not your thing, just check them out. They they're, they're a tournament team at this point. So just got to see how good they can become, you know, second weekend, certainly not guaranteed. We know that, but maybe, maybe it could be a squad with, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale back there. But, yeah, it's going to be a very, very, very interesting month watching how everything, how the dust settles with this football team. Thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah, check out the show on the fan at 6 o'clock. Appreciate you. Thanks, Tim. 
All right, that was Timmy Hall. You can catch him, as he mentioned, on the fan, the Buckeye show, almost every night. Uh, sometimes Tim Tim has other things going on, but he's the he is the Buckeye show, and they rotate in the guests with with Timmy. So I appreciate him taking his time to come on this when he does because he is a busy, busy man over there at the fan. All right. Um, again, if you have questions that you still want answered about this team, uh, throw them in the chat if you're watching this live. I saw some of them in there already, uh, some of which I already planned on discussing those topics here, and some of which we've already touched on a little bit. So, But feel free, throw them in there. I'll try and answer some that we haven't touched on at the end of, uh, of the show. Um, so... Quarterback seems to be the thing everyone wants to talk about. And, and obviously, Tim and I talked about a decent chunk of it there. Um, but this Will Howard conversation is interesting, I think, because obviously you, you hoped, if you were a Buckeye coach, that the Cotton Bowl went where Devin Brown went out and played really well. What, the, what you had seen in practice uh, leading up to it, and you go into the offseason – Maybe you still you probably still add at least one quarterback because you like to have if you're Ryan Day likes to have four on scholarship, um, but you you feel good about Devin Brown and the way he performed against Missouri. Well, that doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know if that changed the perspective for Ohio State or if they were always planning on taking a look at Will Howard, who will make an official visit to Ohio State. Uh, will Howard, in, in case you're not familiar. Uh, at this point, and I assume most of you are, uh, Kansas State quarterback. He has on and off been their starter over the last few years, but was their starter this season. Completed 61.3% of his passes for 2,643 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, can also move a good amount, rush for 351 yards and nine touchdowns this season. Isn't an elite runner, but certainly can make some plays with his legs. Uh, here are my thoughts on, on Will Howard. And and I've watched I before the Missouri game, I watched because Kansas State played Missouri. And so I watched that game and I've watched a little bit more on him since this is all kind of heated up. I think he is a good quarterback. And because of his experience, and he, you know, he's, he's played for four years. Uh, I think he is an upgrade over what is currently in the room uh, from that perspective, talent wise, you know, he is not like we said before going to come in and be a Justin Fields. He is not that elite level talent. There wasn't a guy like that in the transfer portal, at least not thus far. And so I think Will Howard, if you're looking at a one year guy who can continue to elevate this offense, you know, or at least maintain the level it played this year, because again, I do think the defense will continue to be very good next season then you know that's a good kind of stopgap guy. He can come in. He can kind of elevate his platform, play with better wide receivers, play in Coach Day's system, and potentially boost his stock in the NFL. Is he going to come in and do what some of the recent Ohio State quarterbacks have done? No. And I think Ohio State fans should prepare for that. At least I don't think so. Um, should prepare for the idea that you know you may have times next year if Will Howard does commit to Ohio State and is the starting quarterback, then you're frustrated with Will Howard. He turns the ball over a little bit more, even than Kyle McCord did this year. Um, you know, the you're not going to have 
Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw to. Now, you will have maybe a Mechigbuka, certainly Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, Jeremiah Smith. You know, the, the list goes on of these wide receivers, um, which would certainly be an upgrade over what they had at Kansas State and make his life easier. But you also have to have an offensive line, and there's questions about that, and we'll get to that. So I think that you you have what could be a good upgrade probably more in line with what Ohio state was looking for before the bowl game, because you still feel good about Devin Brown down the line, Lincoln Keenholz and Aaron Nolan. But I don't want people thinking that this is going to be some kind of change, you know, back to CJ Stroud or anything. That's not what Will Howard is. There's a reason that he was, you know, an on and off again starter until this season at Kansas state. Um, So I just want to paint a picture of kind of what you're getting with a Will Howard type quarterback, an upgrade, yes, most likely, but a superstar, you know, I don't, I, I do, I would be surprised if at the end of next season, if Will Howard commits to Ohio State, if he is in the Heisman Trophy conversation, maybe I'm wrong, maybe he commits, has a fantastic season, throws for five thousand yards, rushes for a handful of touchdowns, and you know, I'll eat my words at that point, but I just don't see it watching watching his tape. I don't know if it matters if you can't block the guys up front and. What we know about Ohio State's offensive line coming out of that game is there's not a ton of trusted depth behind the guys that started all 12 games of the regular season. And why the Buckeyes decided to change their offensive line for the Cotton Bowl is a bit of a question. Ryan Day said after the game that it was a performance thing from Carson Hinsman. I'm sure most of you know at this point that Carson Hinsman went on this podcast with some friends back home, said some things that, frankly, I didn't think were that incendiary, but probably not things that if you're an Ohio State coach, you would like to get put out there. You know, I don't know why he felt the need to to reference Urban Meyer's practices, something that he was obviously not a part of. But like, again, I don't think that's that bad of a thing to say because I think Ryan Day and Urban Meyer are clearly different coaches. And I think most people who watch this team recognize that. Um, so whether or not Carson Hinsman got a quiet, silent suspension because of what he did or not, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I, I have not heard that. I take Coach Day at his word. I know earlier in the season there was talk about moving Matthew Jones to center because of Carson Hinsman's performances. There obviously wasn't a ton of time. Maybe maybe over the bye week would have been a time you could have done that if you felt like that was the right thing to do. Buckeyes didn't make that move at that point. They stuck with the, the same five. They elected to do it with the time in bowl practice and to prepare for, for Matthew Jones at center. It did not work. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was pretty clear. I think having a new center um, messed things up for the offensive line as a whole. And I think you just didn't have what you needed up front. Look, Josh Simmons, I thought, is a guy who got better throughout the season. Is he an elite left tackle that Ohio State should have? No. Now, can he get there? Maybe. Uh, But I do think he got better. Donovan Jackson has a decision to make. He's a guy who I think has really, really, a really, really high ceiling. I don't know if we saw it as much this year as I thought we would have, but there's still the potential there if he comes back for his senior year. And look, you're not going to get docked from the NFL for coming back for your senior year as an offensive lineman, especially if you play a lot better in your senior year than you did your junior year and boost your draft stock. So we will see on Donovan Jackson. Um, but 
I think that would be a, a big boost for Ohio State, especially if you can get him playing at the level he's capable of. The center position is up in the air. Um, you know, after the Carson Hinsman situation, so to speak, will he be back as Ohio State's starting center next year? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't. I think if he chooses to remain in the program, which as of now, the transfer portal window, I believe, is closed at this point. As we record this on January 4th, sounds like Carson will remain a part of this program at least through spring, compete to, to have that job back. I think you can get better from year one to year two as, as a starter. So I, I, I would imagine that that is his job. Now, Ohio State is bringing in Alabama starting center, who I know, and I tweeted this out, everyone saw have several bad snaps against Michigan. Um, uh, Sean or uh, Seth McLaughlin. Look, this is a guy who can play guard or center and has started for a year and a half in the SEC. I don't think it's a bad idea to at least take a look at him and, and you know get him on campus. You're going to have to replace Matthew Jones, who was the right guard all year. So maybe you move Carson Hinsman to right guard. Maybe you, if you do bring in Seth McLaughlin, maybe he plays right guard. Um, and then right tackle, Josh Fryer. Um, good, not great most of the season and really struggled in certain games. That's a position that I think is still very much up in the air. I was a little surprised you didn't see some of the younger guys, um, Tegra Shibola, Luke Montgomery, maybe get some looks in, in the Cotton Bowl. They are guys, especially Luke Montgomery, we heard coming into the season, you know, he's a guy who could push to start at one of the tackle positions. And he did play some this year. Not as much as maybe I expected him to. Um, you know, I've heard positive things about Luke throughout the year. So we'll see. Tegra's another guy who I think could slot in on that line at some point. But as we stand right now, neither of those guys or any of the other younger guys, less experienced guys, were trusted to step in on that offensive line. You can question whether or not that was the right decision, but that's what the decision this staff made. And they are the ones who watch them every day in practice. And that's where I think things may be a little bit concerning is if you don't feel like those guys are ready at this point, you know, Ryan Day talks about guys that enroll early by the time you get partway in the season, you're kind of done with your freshman year, you're in your sophomore year. Luke Montgomery is not ready in their eyes. I'm a little concerned by that, whether that's evaluation or whether that's development. They need to find the best five guys they can next year, be it the portal, be it development, uh, be it young guys coming in. They do have a, a decent, in terms of the rankings class of linemen coming in. It's tough to start at Ohio State on the offensive line as a freshman, but we've seen it happen if you're good enough. Um, I know the staff thinks more highly of this group of offensive linemen that they brought in than maybe the rankings are. So we'll see how that plays out. But to me, I mean, the quarterback position is always going to be vital. Um, but I still think I still trust Ryan Day. I think, yes, was Kyle McCord not the level you needed to, to get to where you wanted to go, which was a national championship? Yes. Uh, now, maybe we're talking very differently if Donovan Jackson doesn't trip over Carson Hinsman, Kyle McCord completes a pass to Marvin Harrison Jr., and the Buckeyes maybe go on beat Michigan or the number one team in the country going into the college football playoff. But that's not what happened. So those are the things on offense that I think need to be addressed, 1A, 1B. Uh, and then you've got some other things. Tight end, Kate Stover's gone. 
that was a vital, that's been a vital position. But even in the past game, the last couple of years with Cade Stover, okay, where are you going now? Jelani Thurman started the Cotton Bowl, but played two, three snaps. I, I don't think he came back in after the first series. Um, how ready is he going to be come the fall of his sophomore year to be a, a full-time player? G. Scott Jr. Uh, I know he played a lot this year, but was inconsistent, at least in the past game. Blocking can still improve. Uh, I know he's a, a, an emotional leader for this team, which is certainly important. But, you know, is the is the transfer portal somewhere you go to try and find an experienced tight end who is, you know, complete in terms of passing and blocking? Buckeyes did add a tight end um, from Ohio University, a guy who I will think, I do think will be an important blocker for uh, the Buckeyes. Wide receiver, you certainly need a Mecca to come back. He has not made an announcement as we're recording this. Uh, there is hope, I would say, that he is going to return for his senior year after being injured for multiple games, not putting up the kind of production that he wanted. Um, but he would bring a veteran presence back to that room that's not going to have a ton of it. You're losing him. You're losing a Marvin Harrison Jr. You're losing a Xavier Johnson. You've already lost Julian Fleming, who's headed to Penn State. You know, Carnell Tate played a good amount this year, but not a ton. Doesn't have a ton of, uh, uh, you know, production in terms of statistics at this point. And I think he's going to be a very good player. I like the bits and pieces we've seen from Brandon Ennis, the guys they've got coming in, um, you know, can Jaden Ballard take a step? I was hoping to see more from him in the uh, cotton bowl. Uh, you know, the rest of it, that, that, that class, it's going to be juniors that remains. Is there anything there with them? I feel like you would have had to, had to kind of bite by now. So, you know, I, I think you've got the makings of a, still a very good wide receiver room. I think losing a guy like Noah Rogers, uh, you know, tough because of what he had the potential of being. Now, was he ready to be that guy next year? I don't know. Uh, we didn't see him much. No catches this year. Uh, played some in garbage time. So, you know, was he ready to, to jump into a significantly bigger role? We'll see what he does at NC State. Um you know, I, I don't I don't know if if that was going to happen, but certainly would have liked to have him in the program uh, and continued to develop at the very least adding depth if something does happen. So, you know, th there are definitely questions to answer on on the offense. Defensively, I think you're in a pretty good spot. I think you saw on Wednesday night, Tyleek Williams announced his return. It would not be surprising. I'll call it educatedly if that's a word uh if you that is the start of a uh, uh, slew of guys just making an announcement that they're going to return for their senior years motivated guys on that side of the ball and you know you could loop in Emeka Buka and Donovan Jackson in that group if they decide to return as well uh given kind of how the last few years have gone so I think that's a positive I do think Tim made a good point when you're talking about Linebackers, um, you know, Cody Simon will be back. Ohio State lacking in the elite, you know, the elite physical linebackers that you see on the top teams in the SEC and, and things like that. And look, you can win. You can be really good as a, uh, you know, without those five-star guys. I think Tommy Eichenberg had a really good career. Steel Chambers, good career. Um, but – 
there's there's just not that elite level linebacker. Maybe CJ Hicks is that guy, but we're going into year three and we've seen pretty little of CJ Hicks at this point. And I don't think it's just because Jim Knowles doesn't want to play him. I think, you know, th- there's been some developmental um, roadblocks for, for CJ Hicks and maybe he gets over it this off season and has a great junior year and, you know, looks like the five-star guy that everyone hoped he would be. Uh, Gabe Powers is another guy who could come along, but none of those guys have done anything at this point where you're like, yes, that guy's going to step in and, you know, be, be elite next year, replacing code or replacing steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. I do like Cody Simon. I think he has some limitations, especially in the past game. Uh, so that's the position on defense where I think you're going to have to to address. Um, and that's assuming that the defensive line trends in the direction I think it will. Like I said, Tyleek Williams back. Jack Sawyer admitted at the Cotton Bowl when we spoke with him that he will probably be back next year. I think that's big as you saw Jack really come on towards the end of the season. JT Tumalau, I I would say up in the air in terms of whether or not he decides to return I think a senior year would be good for him to try and put together a consistent year but you've seen enough in flashes that he could probably be um, a decently high NFL draft pick and you know it's going to be up to him kind of where he wants to be Denzel Burke made it clear at the before the Cotton Bowl excuse me that he wants to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft well right now I don't see that for Denzel Denzel Burke um he, he's been good, very good, two out of three years at Ohio State. But I don't think he has proven elite level yet in terms of consistency. So I would not be surprised if he were back for his senior year. Um, I know we were talking defensive line there, but I just kind of started rattling through those guys. Um, yeah, if the defensive line gets those guys back, you add in Caden Curry, Kenyatta Jackson on the outside, Hero Canoe. Um, Tywon Malone, who transferred from Ole Miss, didn't play a ton last year. You know, that's a pretty solid group of eight right there that you've got. And, and there's some young guys that can mix in there as well. Um, Hero Canoe started to come on during the season. Uh, you're certainly going to miss Michael Hall and what he was able to do. They don't have that, that type of guy on the roster. Um, but, you know, you didn't see – I don't think most people saw Michael Hall coming. So before, you know, kind of before his sophomore year. So maybe you have a guy emerge like that, but all in all, I think they've found a scheme and a way to play defense and you've got a system in place that I'm comfortable with that and what Jim Knowles is doing that I think the defense will continue to be really good. And and if uh, all of these guys, most of these guys come back has the potential to be an elite level defense again, Look, that Missouri offense, maybe it didn't play its best game, but that was a good Missouri offense here. Those were between Brady Cook, um, Schrader, and uh, Burton, the receiver. Uh, you had, you know, guys that are going to be drafted pretty high, I imagine, uh, or, you know, ha- have careers in the NFL, if nothing else. And Ohio State, for the most part, was able to shut them down. I know Cook was able to get free running, but he did that throughout the season. We... I, I just think it's going to be, you know, a, a, another per, another step for this defense going forward. Now, if you can get the offense figured out, get things kind of rolling more in the direction they've tended to be under Ryan Day, then I think you, you should feel really good about it. But you're going to need those guys to come back, both sides of the ball, and you're going to need to figure things out in terms of 
the portal or development or whatnot, whatever that may be. Um, there's also the coaching staff, which is a, a tricky situation. I think, um, it's easy to say, and I posted this on, on the front row of the message board on Bucknut today. It's easy to say, fire this guy, fire that guy, da, 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 da. Um, and I know it, it happens in this sport more than, or it happens in this industry of sports more than it does in other jobs, but there's more to it. I mean, beyond just you're firing someone that you spend so much time with, you know, there's also, you have to go through HR. You'd like to be able to have a guy in place, you know, so you're not just firing a guy and then not being able to find a replacement. Not that you have that issue at Ohio state. It's Ohio state coaches want to coach in Columbus, but I'm just saying, um, I would put it this way. From my understanding, there's a plan in place of what they are going to do on the coaching staff. I think some of it has you know, already been speculated about, look, um, Parker Fleming and the special teams, it just wasn't good enough. It's not. And, you know, most college programs don't have a special teams coach. That's more of an NFL thing, which Ryan Day brought to Columbus when he promoted Parker Fleming to that role. It's, sorry for Parker. I like the guy a lot. Just not not a good enough job. Um, and, and that's really for two years now. I think that opens the door for you to promote James Laurinaitis to a full-time position. And I think that's a benefit because not only then is he coaching, but he can get on the road recruiting. And I think he's going to be really good at that. I know there's been talk about Corey Dennis, whose contract is up at the end of the season. I have heard mixed things about the situation with Corey Dennis. Um, obviously he's been the quarterback's coach through a large portion of the success that Ohio state had with quarterbacks. Ryan day was certainly a big part of that. Uh, but he's been uh, a guy who's recruited well. And you know, I, I do think there has been value brought from Corey Dennis. Can you upgrade that job with a more experienced guy who can work with the quarterbacks along with Ryan day, but maybe also be the play caller to take that off Ryan day's shoulders. I sat there in Dallas listening to Missouri head coach, Eli Drinkwitz talk about giving up play calling this time a year ago and how much that changed what they were able to do for the better. You have to get a play caller in that is a experienced play caller because you're Ohio freaking state. Brian Hartline, and I saw people talking in the comments about Brian Hartline earlier. Brian Hartline brings a lot of value to this program. Is he ready to call plays at a program like Ohio State? Well, this year the answer was no because Ryan Day wasn't ready to hand those responsibilities over to him. Does a year of being more involved in the total offense make him ready? I still say probably not. Now, maybe he picked it up really quickly. Ryan Day likes what he saw. That's the guy he handed over to. But at Ohio State, I think you should have experienced guys in almost every coaching spot, unless somebody has really proven themselves like a Brian Hartline, like a, um, like a Keenan Bailey, things like that. I think you could kill two birds with one stone with a new quarterbacks coach. That is also a play caller. Now you get Ryan day to be able to be more of that head coach, as opposed to the head coach and the offensive coordinator who that guy is. I think we can spend time talking about that down the road, but that's something that, that, Again, I've heard kind of mixed things about what will happen with Corey Dennis, but that would not surprise me if that's the route Ohio State takes. I know there's been a lot of frustration about offensive line coach Justin Fry, uh, and I hear it, and I understand it. I think 
having watched Justin Fry work with these guys, having heard him speak at Ohio State's uh, coaches clinic the last two years, I think there's a lot to like about Justin Fry. But we are in a results business, and now you can you know whether you can blame it on Greg Sudrawa and the lack of recruiting, and that's certainly a part of it. But the there hasn't been a jump in offensive line production that needs to happen. And it's not like you have to recruit these kids out of high school and develop them. I mean, that's still a part of it, but the transfer portal's there. And the Buckeyes swung on a number of guys this time a year ago, missed. They waited until after spring practice, went after Josh Simmons. Now you could argue Josh Simmons was the best offensive lineman of that starting five this year. I think there's an argument, though I would push back on that a little bit. He did get better as the season went on. But is he the elite left tackle that you expected to get out of transfer portal? No. Did you see enough development of the young guys? Apparently not, because the guy you put in was a fifth-year senior who had never started before consistently at Ohio State, and it did not work in the Cotton Bowl. So I think Justin Fry, who I'm sure most people know, someone who Ryan Day's friends with, they say don't hire your friends. Last two Ohio State coaches have done it, and we're still, we're still not sure if this one will work out, but it's trending in the wrong direction. Um, if you if you decide to move on from Justin, if Ryan Day decides to move on from Justin Fry, I would not be shocked. I would also be not, not be totally shocked if he keeps Justin Fry around for another season, if he believes in him and his ability to move this line forward and just thinks it takes a little bit more time than two years. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but the offensive line is different than pretty much every other position on the roster because of how developmental it is. Um, so those are kind of where I see things with the coaching staff. I think defensively, Ryan Day made it clear, Larry Johnson's going to be back. He's not retiring. I don't think Ohio State would ever push him out. So it's it's up to him to, to decide when he's done. Ryan Day says he's energetic and wants to keep coaching, wants to keep recruiting. Take him at his word for that. Um, Jim Knowles, I, like I said, I think if you could promote, uh, Brian or excuse me, James Laurinaitis to a full-time coach, I think that's a benefit for the entire team. Uh, Perry Eliano and, uh, Tim Walton, I think both did a really good job. Tim Walton has somehow become one of this, the team's best recruiters, a guy who was coaching in the NFL and didn't have a ton of recruiting experience has, has done a great job on the road. So that's kind of where I see things with the staff. Uh, I want to get to some of these questions here because I saw there were a handful of them. Um, if I miss yours or if you still have one, feel free to throw it in there. Um, RK, mind-blowing that Parker Flynn is still on the staff. So freaking bizarre. Touched on that already. I think it's just this is just a matter of time. I think Ryan Day is not going to operate on a timeline that fans necessarily – he's not going to operate on the fans' timeline. He's going to operate on his timeline, and there's things happening at the Woody Hayes facility. Uh, Brad Kramer said – Bring in the center from Alabama, Howard is QB and the O-line guy from Troy, and I'm feeling a thousand times better. Uh, I think that's that would be a positive start. I think you could do better potentially than uh, on the O-line, though there aren't guys that I look at on the O-line and in the transfer portal that I'm like, yep, that's the guy. You know, I think that's up to Ohio State to figure out who are the guys that can come in and play and get it right this offseason because – you went, I arguably won for two last year with Victor Cutler, not, not making it and then transferring again. Um, Nick Crabtree, 
if it's a glorified scrimmage, it should have been a chance to open the playbook and see what he can do. I assume, Nick, by that you mean what Lincoln can do. Look, I think the one thing Ryan Day didn't want to do is, is get in trouble with Lincoln. And they did open the offense up a little bit more in the second half now. I think you can certainly argue more protection, leave some tight ends in, run some quick things, slants, screens, things like that. I don't know why we didn't see more of that in the Cotton Bowl, I'm going to be honest. Um, but I do think that they wanted to protect Lincoln a little bit because he's young. You'd rather not ruin his confidence here you know, by him throwing two interceptions while trying to throw deep. Whether that's right or wrong, I, you know, I can't say, you know, look, we saw Nick Saban bring a freshman into the national championship at halftime or whatever that was and let him throw the ball downfield. Now that was to attack of Iloa and he's pretty good, but I know the Buckeyes think highly of Lincoln Keenholz. So yes, a little strange. Uh, Sue said, I thought surely in all caps, they'd make changes on the other line at halftime. I couldn't believe it. Sue, I was sitting in the press box, talking to people sitting next to me. We were confident that they would come out with Carson Hinsman at center, center, Matthew Jones back at right guard and run the offensive line we saw throughout the season. You know, maybe read into that about the Carson Hinsman podcast and potential suspension if you want. I can't tell you what happened there, but know that you weren't the only one confused by the lack of changes on the offensive line. Another one from RK, uh, Red Dylan Brown has a broken bone in his foot and a high ankle sprain, but Lincoln Keenholz wasn't getting any number one reps. Well, first of all, I haven't heard anything about a broken foot. Uh, could be, but all I've heard is that he has a, a high ankle sprain. Uh, that's kind of the, the boot he was wearing after the game. That's what it looked like as well. But the, uh, you know, Lincoln wasn't getting a ton of first team reps in practice because they needed to get Devin Brown ready. Now I wrote about this after the game. I wrote a story on Lincoln. You can read it over on Bucknuts. Um, could you have had him more prepared given he was one snap away from having to go into this game? Should you have gone into the game with a game plan of, we want to see a little bit of Lincoln in this game. So let's get him ready. Yes, I think so. But I can, I completely understand if they made the decision. Devin is going to be our guy. He's going to play every meaningful, healthy snap of that game. And you assume he's going to stay healthy. You give him all of the first team reps in practice because he's taken few of them uh, throughout the season. And even when he was battling with Kyle McCourty, splitting those reps. So I get it. It did not work out, obviously. Um, but if the plan was we're going to play Devin every snap, then I understand why Lincoln, who did get more, you know, worked with the second team instead of with the scout team. So he did get some experience there. But yes, clearly, clearly not ready. Um, Doug Shepard, Kyle played hurt. Hurt. That is all you need to know about Devin. Yeah, Devin played hurt too. Uh, I, I want to be clear about that. Devin came back in the game, was trying to fight through it, kept talking on the sideline. Devin wanted to keep playing. So I'm not going to take anything away from him. But I do think it's worth pointing out that Kyle played a lot of this season injured. You know, maybe a healthy Kyle McCord looks a little bit different. Uh, Bobby McCormick asked about coaching changes. We already talked about that. We'll skip that one. Um, Lynn Foster, Cade Stover was yelling at the O-line on the sidelines. Where was Justin Fry? I didn't see a fire from him. Well, Justin Fry's up in the booth. So hard to yell down at your players from up in the booth. You can't get on the phone with them. Uh, you do have other coaches on the sidelines who can do some of that talking. Uh, but he is in the booth. So that's probably why you didn't see him. Uh, Bobby McCormick again. What is the best alignment we have a chance at getting? 
Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, right now they've brought in, we, we mentioned uh, the lineman from Troy, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, and then they are bringing in Seth McLaughlin from Alabama. I like that they're going, you know, guy from Alabama immediately enters the transfer portal. They're going after him. Now, one thing I think needs to be made clear, and I've made this point in a variety of places. So if you've heard me say this or read me say this before, I apologize for repeating myself, but I think this point needs to be made to people. It's very rare that you find a guy in the transfer portal that is a in there for no negative reasons. I won't say very rare, but it's rare. Rarer than the guys that are in there for negative reasons, or at least one negative reason. A lot of guys that get in the transfer portal either weren't as good as a school thought or had some issues off the field that maybe don't get reported or this, that, and the other. There's usually a reason, especially a talented kid, a kid that was really talented coming out of high school, things like that, um, that there's a reason there in the portal. Now there's also the situations, and I think this is kind of a different group of transfer portal players of guys with like one year left that played at a slightly lower level that want to kind of raise their platform by, by going to a place like Ohio state that think they have the ability to, to become a high draft pick. Jonah Jackson was a great example of that from Rutgers. That was not a guy that had any red flags, but he played at Rutgers who, well, you know, certainly send some guys to the league. If you go play at Ohio state for a year, you know, now you're drafted by the Detroit lions and you've been starting with Taylor Decker on that offensive line for two, three years, whatever it's been. So I think when you see some, especially some of the younger guys um, that go into the transfer portal, it's safe to assume that maybe there's some red flags there, or maybe that person wasn't as good as everyone thought. And Ohio state is going to do its homework there to find out if that makes sense. Because the last thing they want to do is bring in a guy that he either isn't as good as people thought. And that's the reason he transferred or bring in a guy that has some issues off the field. Maybe it's academics. Maybe he's getting in trouble you know, whatever it may be. And now all of a sudden that's carrying over and coming into Ohio state's locker room. So, and then the other thing I think is important to point out is the NIL component of it. Some of these guys get in the portal because they think they can make a lot more money elsewhere. And what Ohio state has done a great job of, and I think you're going to see more of this is that NIL money. And Bill Curlick wrote a story about this today on Bucknuts, which I think I would very much encourage you to go read. It's on the front page there. Um, it's the one entitled, let me pull this up so you know exactly what I'm talking about here because I do think it was really good. Um, we're maybe on the verge of turning in very good way for Ohio State. It's by Bill. It's got Will Howard as a picture. I would recommend reading it. But Ohio State has done a very good job of taking care of the guys in the program. If the guys that I think are coming back are coming back, they're doing it because they want to beat Michigan. They want to play for the Buckeyes again. They want to win a Big Ten title. They want to compete for a national title. All of those things are true. But trust me, they are getting taken care of. And Ohio State wants to take care of those guys, those guys that have been in the program and proven it and know the system and all this, that, and the other thing before they go throw money at transfer portal guys that may or may not work. And so, yeah, that's my little rant about the offensive line, or excuse me, about the transfer portal. Um William Morrison asked Patrick, what has Dade done to have so much trust in him? I think this court question came up while we were talking quarterbacks. Um, look, I mean, you just look at the track record. You know, JT Barrett had his best season under him. Dwayne Haskins became a first round pick under him. 
Justin Fields came in after not being able to start at Georgia and was a Heisman Trophy finalist his first year and probably would have been again if not for the COVID season. C.J. Stroud comes in and develops into one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in Ohio State history. Look at what he's doing in the NFL. Did Day miss on Kyle McCord? If you're basing it on that, the standard that that came before him, absolutely. And look, it it cost them. You know, if you had C.J. Stroud on this year's team, I think you're you're playing for the national championship on Monday. Um, is he batting a thousand? No, but he's he's his average is pretty good. And so until that average really starts to tank, and I'm not ready to say I'm out on Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholz at this point. I just haven't seen enough of them in games. Then. You know, I, I'm still going to trust Ryan Day's assessment because more often than not, he's gotten it right. Uh, all right, let me see if we have any more in here. While I was, um, Jason Cole asked, "Do you feel as if Will Howard is a big upgrade to Brown or Lincoln?" Uh, I touched on this a little bit before, so if you missed it, go back and listen. But I will say, I think he's an upgrade because of his experience. I think talent-wise. He's probably a little bit ahead of those guys. I don't think he is a game-changing quarterback, but I do think he could help elevate Ohio State's offense just because of what uh, you know what is he's going to have around him in terms of weapons. Uh, Drowsy Dragon, I like that name. Patrick, could we get Washington's OC? I heard Haven tried to get him last year, but was turned down. You know, if I'm Ryan Day, I am making calls to people like that um, because. You're Ohio State, and yes, Washington is playing in the national championship game, and they're coming to the Big Ten. But you know, Washington isn't consistently. I think they've been in the College Football Playoff twice. This isn't a program, and maybe that changes going forward. You know, maybe this is the start of something great for the Washington program. But I think if Ohio State comes calling for coaches on that staff, they at least have to give it a thought. Now you turn down Alabama, but we, uh, you know. We'll see. I, I think you have to swing big with with these coaching hires, and you should. You're, you're Ohio freaking state, like I said before. Um, let's see. We'll get a couple more in here, and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. Um, <laughs> Fry isn't the answer, Zoline coach. May or may not be true. Um, you know, I think the results have swayed more towards that. Uh, Kyle Baker. I would love to see Kingsbury come in and call plays and develop our young QBs. Day needs to be a CEO and let go of play calling. I agree with the second part. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury never met the guy. Don't know anything about him. Have heard he can be a bit of a pain to work with. I don't know if that's true. That's just stuff I've heard before from people I know uh, that cover the NFL. Um, Mark Brooks, get Garrett Riley. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone well there. Um, he's done a good job. I think I've hit on all of them. So we're going to wrap it up with that. I, uh, I hope you were able to take something out of this. Um, I know there's a lot of Ohio state coverage, a lot of podcasts, a lot of everything. Everyone kind of does their own thing. And I appreciate the, the kind of following that we've been able to develop here with not only buck nuts, but with the happy hour. And, you know, I, I think it's important to, be critical, but also have perspective on things. And I hope I was able to provide some of that for you guys today. Um, you know, I, I agree with some of the things you're saying. I also think I can take a, a step back and look at things a little bit more. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Masarella, 
Patrick, your mouth has to be dry. Take a sip. Thanks, Jeff. I will. Um, that was, that was good. Um, point is, I think, uh, I think I want to be able to point out things that can get better while also giving kind of a perspective that isn't the, the, you know, frustrated, angry fan. Um, look, I want to cover a football team that's playing the national championship every year. It's more fun for us when we get to cover those things. And when you guys as fans are not frustrated and angry and, you know, we'd rather be covering a 12 and 0 team going to the big 10 championship game every year than not. So we'd all like to see it get better. I can promise you that Ryan day wants it to be better. There is, you know, that man cares about the, I was going to say, there's no one that cares more about that. That's not true. Buckeye fans, most passionate fans out there. Um, but Ryan day cares. He wants this thing to be rolling and, you know, whether or not you believe he's the guy for the job, that's up to you. But I do believe that there is a plan in place, whether you think it's taking too long or not, I encourage you to have a little patience here and see where this goes. And then we can assess it after the fact. And, you know, we're going to have all off season to do that, but I hope I was able to give some perspective today. Uh, that's a good question. Sue, when do we hear from day again? That's a good question. I was sitting next to SID Jerry Emig at the Ohio state basketball game last night. I asked if he had any plans for any sort of media availability before they, they usually do uh, the early enrollee freshman in February for signing day. Uh, he said he, he hopes so that he thinks, uh, you know, that, that there would be, he thinks that it would be good to have at least coach day talk and kind of break some things down in terms of why they did things throughout the season in the bowl game, all that. So hopefully we get coach day again soon. I don't have a date for you, but it does sound like they would like to do something like that. And, and hopefully coach day will oblige anyway. Thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Um, we'll be back probably next week. I assume, um, there's still plenty to talk about, so I don't see why we can't roll up another happy hour next week. Uh, as Tim said, basketball season's here. This is a fun team. I know not everyone's a basketball fan on the, uh, in Buckeye nation, but this is a fun team that I think there may be some bumps in the road, but I don't think you're going to have the, the lulls that you've had in some of the other years, really good guard play. Um, they've got, they've got, They've got some good players. I'm, I'm excited to cover this team throughout the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, you know, if you are, uh, if, if, if you are so inclined, check out the Buckeyes on the hard court, the women's team too. Uh, I believe they're number 20 in the country. They're a lot of fun to watch as well. So thank you again. This has been another Bucknuts happy hour. Thanks to Tim Hall for coming on earlier. Thanks to you guys for tuning in, whether you were live, listen to it afterwards. We will talk to you soon. And uh Cheers, Buckeye fans. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.